Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to be with you today. And uh, I'm here for a few days, and I thought that I would actually have a little look at Mark's gospel whilst uh, I'm here. And up to Sunday, I don't think I'll get beyond chapter one. But this morning, I want just to read those first eight verses from Mark's gospel. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptising in the desert region, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so, Father God, I pray now that by that same Holy Spirit, you will breathe life into your word to give us meaning, hope and understanding for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I absolutely love Mark's gospel. It's my favourite one. He's very much the action man. He doesn't waste time on things. He just gets on with the business of telling us what things are all about. I just want to give a tiny bit of background, first of all. It starts off here, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, Mark wants us to know three things in this gospel. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And what is our response? The whole of the gospel is on those three things. And he starts because he wants to demonstrate the authenticity of what he's saying. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice calling one in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And then verse 4 says, and so John, so Mark wants us to know very, very clearly that John is the fulfilment of that particular prophecy. And here again, he doesn't waste any time. We get no birth narrative about John. We know nothing about him from this gospel. And so John came. And that's it. That's, that's how he starts. So we don't know from this that he was related to Jesus because his mother Elizabeth and Mary were related. So they're probably second cousins, might even be first cousins, but probably second cousins. There's nothing in here about how they would have grown up together. Uh, They would have met certainly all the major feasts in, in Jerusalem. They probably gathered for other family gatherings. So the two boys, and there's only six months difference between them. We know that from Luke. The two boys would have grown up Certainly knowing each other and having some sort of companionship with, with each other. So John came. 
baptizing in the desert region. This has always puzzled me. I never know quite why that should be, other than as a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, because he was baptizing in the desert region and the River Jordan, the nearest point of the River Jordan to Jerusalem is 20 miles. So if anybody wanted to hear John preach, they'd have to walk 20 miles down 3,500 feet to hear him and then walk back 20 miles, 3,500 feet uphill back into Jerusalem. And it says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. I can't imagine anybody doing that sort of distance to hear me preach, but they did for John. And the reason, I think, is because of the power of God that was in him. It's very easy when we read our Bible, we flick over from Malachi in the Old Testament to Matthew in the New Testament and just think it's continuous history. But it wasn't. There were 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament. In that 400 years, God has sent no prophets, no books were written, and I think by the time John came along, people were hungry. They recognised the power of God on him. We were told that the power of the Holy Spirit was on him from birth. And I think that's why the people poured out into the countryside to, to listen to him. But that's not the message for this morning. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the River Jordan. And that's not the message for this morning. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. I sometimes wonder whether the locust there was actually locust beans. Very common in the Middle East. And some older folk can remember still when they used to be in shops here. And for years and years I had a, a locust bean pod that I used for sermon demonstrations, but moving house, it's, it's disappeared somewhere. Anyway, that's not the message. This is the message. After me, one will come more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Forty years ago, when I first became a Christian, I suddenly realised you could ask to be baptised by the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted everything that was going. So I said, Lord, baptise me in the Holy Spirit. And I have to say that life's not been the same since. And life has certainly never been dull since. But the Holy Spirit is for each and every believer. It's not for unbelievers, but for each and every believer. And everyone who's been baptised, when you're being baptised, the minister or priest asks for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. In the Anglican Church, when you're confirmed, the bishop lays hands and says, confer the power of the Holy Spirit on and names the person. But the Holy Spirit can remain dormant if our faith isn't growing. And the Holy Spirit can actually work in non-believers. Just read the story of Moses and Pharaoh. The Holy Spirit was working on Pharaoh 
and making him very stubborn. But the Holy Spirit is God's free gift to each and every one of us who believe. And as I was praying earlier, I felt that Lord was saying, he wants the Holy Spirit to descend upon us today, and it's nothing at all to be frightened of. And so in a minute, we're going to have a little song, and then I'm just going to, very short prayer, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And it's an opportunity for each and every one of you to offer up anything you want to the Holy Spirit as he comes and ministers among us. And the Holy Spirit is very gentle for most people, can be a bit fearsome for, for some, but the whole idea of the Holy Spirit is he's there. One word is used as a comforter, and I like that word. Sometimes he's, he's our comforter. He can also stir us up. He can also stir us up. Um, somebody once said the Holy Spirit comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. And so if he's disturbing you, it's because you may have got a bit too comfortable in your faith. But all we want to do this morning is just to invite the power of the Holy Spirit to descend upon us and to minister his healing, love, his grace, his forgiveness, whatever is needful in our life. It may be that you're here with struggling with a relationship. Offer it up to the Lord. It may be that you have a physical or emotional problem. Offer it up to the Lord. Whatever it is, and I should be standing here, so if you get a bit worried, just look at me, not that I'm the Holy Spirit, but look at me, because as a reassurance, if you like, that whatever the Holy Spirit is going to do, it's going to be okay. And so we're going to just invite the Holy Spirit with a song, aren't we, Pippa? Um, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. So remain seated, just sing it as a prayer, and then I'll offer up a very brief prayer at the end. <laughs>